0: So in the previous lessons, we've been going through currently the section on Ghusl and some of the rulings regarding the Ghusl. We spoke about the Jumu'ah and the ruling of the Ghusl for Jumu'ah and when it is supposed to be done. Today, we're going to begin on the section that explains how exactly you are supposed to do the ghusl? How exactly does a Muslim do the ghusl? So here we have a hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha where she mentioned كان رسول الله صلى الله إذا اغتسل من الجنابه يبدأ فيغسل يديه ثم يفرغ بيمينه على شماله فيغسل فرجه ثم يتوضأ ثم يأخذ الماء فيدخل أصابعه في أصول الشعب Thumma Hafana ala sihi, Falaafa Hafanat, Thumma a ala siri jasedi, Thumma ghasala ridjlei, Mutafa on alay, Wallafu le Muslim. In this hadith, Aisha Rodi Allahu anha, she says that the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam When he used to make the ghusl Due to the janabah When he used to make the ghusl He would begin by washing his hands The first thing He would begin by washing his hands Then he would pour water with his right hand onto his left hand and wash his private area. So, two steps so far. The first step, he would wash his hands. The second step, he would then pour water with his right hand. On to his left hand And wash his private area Then after that the third step He would make wudu The normal wudu He would then make the normal wudu Then the fourth step يَأْخُذُ الْمَاءِ أَصَابِعَهُ فِي أُصُولِ The fourth step, he would get the water and he would put his fingers into the roots of his hair. Put them right into the roots of his hair. فَيُدْخِلُ أَصَابِعَهُ He would put his fingers into the roots of his hair. The fifth step, Then he would pour water onto his head three times. He would then pour water onto his head three times. Then the sixth step, afadha ala sa'iri jasadi, he would pour water onto all of the rest of his body. He would pour water all onto the rest of his body. And the seventh step, he would wash his feet again at the end. He's already washed them when he did the wudu part, but then at the end, as the final step, wash the feet again before moving out, before finishing. Those are the seven steps mentioned in this Hadith. A Shaykh Al-Fawzan is going to go through those now in detail in the explanation. So the hadith says that the prophet sallallahu when he would make the ghusl from janabah the janabah is the major impurity the major impurity the sexual impurity due to intercourse or the release of semen and so when the messenger was upon that state he would not recite the Qur'an. He would not touch the Mus'haf. He would not sit in the mosque. In that kind of state of Janabah. Those kinds of things are not done until the ghusl is made. And Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, وَإِن كُنْتُمْ جُنُوبًا that if you are in a state of Janabah, of that major impurity, then purify yourselves, do the ghusl. If you are in Janabah, then do the ghusl. So in this hadith, Aisha Radiallahu anha mentions how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to do that ghusl. She mentions as the first step, which was to wash the hands. He would begin and wash his hands first. يعني من الكوع up to the wrists. Up. To the wrists Because linguistically speaking in Arabic The word Yad could mean the hand As we talk about the hand It could mean all the way including the forearm It could even mean all the way up to the shoulder Linguistically it's possible So here the Shaykh explains That the meaning of the Hadith of Aisha عنها, that he used to begin by washing his hands was as we say in English, the hands, up to the wrists. He would wash his hands to begin with. فهذا مَا بَدَأَ بِهِ وَهُوَ غُسْلُ الْكَفَّيْنِ فِي الطَّهَارَةِ سواء كَانَتْ وُضُوءًا أَوْ اَغْتِسَالًا فَإِنَّهُ يُسْتَحَبُّ ذلك. Whether you are about to make the ghusl or you are about to make normal wudu, it is recommended to begin with this step in both circumstances. The step of washing the hands first. Whether you're about to do ghusl, as we see here, or even if you're just going to make wudu, it is recommended to begin by washing the hands first. And that is a separate action from the wudu and the ghusl. People, like we mentioned last time, when they wash their hands at the beginning, they think later on in the middle of the wudu, they don't need to wash their hands again. That's a mistake. So this is an introduction to doing the ghusl or the wudu, that you wash your hands first. وَقَدْ تَقَدَّمَ وُجُوبَ غَسْلِهِمَا بَعْدَ الْقِيَامِ مِنْ نَوْمِ اللَّيْلِ فِي قَوْلِهِ صَلَّحِ وسلم. And we've already mentioned as well The obligation of washing them when you wake up from sleeping From the night sleep And that was in the hadith إِذَا اَسْتَيْقَضَ Ahadukum مِنْ نَوْمِهِ فَلَا يَغْمِسْ يَدَهُ فِي الْإِنَاءِ حَتَّى ثَلَاثًا فَإِنَّ أَحَدَكُمْ لَا يَدْرِي أَيْنَ بَاتَتْ يَدُهُ There was the hadith that mentioned, when one of you wakes up from sleeping, then do not dip your hand into the, the vessel of water until you wash them three times. For indeed you do not know where your hand has slept at night. Meaning, you do not know what your hands have touched at night, maybe, without you knowing whilst you're asleep, your hand touched your private areas. So, you do not know where they have been and what they may have touched without you knowing at night. So, in the morning, you're not supposed to begin straight away making wudu and your hands on your face and making the wudu. Rather, you wash them first, then start the wudu with the clean hands. And the same with the janaba. Before making the russell, wash the hands first, then begin all of the process of the purification. Wa the haba baradu el el elm ila enna sababastih babi russel cafein, oblil russel, wal wudu, hua enna cafein to stach de mani fi rorofil ma, fa either udehila tafil ina oblaros lihima, wa rafa al hadith an huma. You remember there was an issue earlier on we discussed, right at the beginning of this particular book we started regarding water, that some of the scholars mentioned if you have a vessel of water, a large bowl of water, for example, and you are upon Janaba in that state of janaba if you dip your hands in straight away then you have now it is as though the janaba has now gone into that water it is now classed as used water and there's an issue regarding that some of the scholars consider that the water is no longer usable for the rest of the purification it is as though the impurity has now gone into it and that is why you're supposed to wash your hands separately first then dip them in to use it for the rest of the body Uh, even though like we said the majority of the scholars do not hold the opinion that it becomes impure like that but this is a possible reasoning to avoid generally anyway that you wash your hands separately before beginning the wudu or the ghusl or the remaining parts of the wudu and the ghusl so then that's the first step the washing of the hands the second step mentioned in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha thumma or ala the second step now that the hands are clean And remember, in those days, it wasn't a shower. In those days, there would have been a big bowl of water, a big barrel of water, and they would be using that water and taking that out and making the ghusad. So now it mentions, after the hands have been washed, then he would get the water with his right hand, pour it onto his left, using that to clean his private areas. So you're pouring the water with your right hand and using the left to clean the private areas. That is the second stage. So notice the details being given here. It is with the left hand that you then wash the private parts. It is with the right hand that you pour the water. So in these days, if it is a shower, it is the right hand you're gonna hold the shower with, for example, and with the left hand, that you're going to wash the private areas with so that is the second thing mentioned hada huwal fi'l athani ba'da ghasl al-kaffayn fa inna al-junub yaghsil farjahu an yastanjī bil-mā' fa yaghrafu bi-yadih al-yumnā wa yaghsilu farjahu bil-yad al-yusrā lidhā fa al-istinjā' aw al-istijmār wājib qabla al-wuḍū' idhā kharaja min al-insān shay' And of course, Al-Istinja, which is what that is, cleaning the private areas with the water, the istinja, that is something which is required as a necessity before making wudu, if something has exited from the private areas. For example, if you have urinated, you cannot just go and make wudu first, you must do, You must clean that area first, the private areas first, then you go make the wudu. Or if semen has exited from there, or feces, anything of that nature that has exited from the private areas, that must by necessity be washed first, then you can go and do the rest of the wudu. If you have not washed that, and the private areas are still upon impurity you cannot do the rest of the wudu that needs to be washed first so that's why the first step here after washing the hands so if you keep it in order washing the hands was the first step the second step was then to wash the private areas using the right hand to pour the water and the left hand to actually make contact and wash that area wala yasah. أَنْ يَتَوَضَّأَ الْإِنسَانِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يستنجية. It is not valid for a person to make wudu if you have not done istinja, if you have not cleaned that area, if something had exited. If you broke wind, for example, then you can just go make wudu, you don't have to do istinja. Nothing else has exited if nothing else had exited. So, if you haven't used the toilet or nothing else has exited from the private areas, your wudu broke because you fell asleep or something, then you can go make the wudu directly. But here we're talking about the circumstance where something has exited from the private area, then you must make istinja first, then the rest of the wudu. So, the second step here being mentioned is the washing of the private areas with the left hand. The third step mentioned in the hadith of Aisha يتوضع, then he would make the full wudu the normal full wudu annahu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he would then make his normal wudu the normal wudu you then make that. لأن عليه طهارتين طهارة من الحدث الأصغر وهو الوضوء وطهارة من الحدث الأكبر وهو الاغتسال فبدأ صلى الله عليه وسلم من الحدث الأصغر وهي الوضوء أو أنه صلى الله عليه وسلم غسل أعضاء الوضوء ناويا رفع الجناب عنها وبدأ بها لشرفها. There are different explanations as to why the wudu would be required when you're making ghusl Some of the scholars they say because it is a necessity in and of itself The wudu is required for your prayer or whatever afterwards Others they say it's not because of that necessity because once you make the full ghusl upon purification anyway But they say the wudu is done within the processes of the ghusl to honor those body parts. The wudu body parts are honorable. On the Day of Judgment they will be shining and the believers will be recognized by the brightness and the radiance from the wudu body parts that they used to wash. So from the nobility and the honor of those body parts, the wudu areas, Some scholars say maybe that is why it is legislated or upon the sunnah of the messenger that you do the wudu within the process of the ghusl. Then the fourth step. So far now, you've washed your hands, you've washed your private areas and you've made wudu. That's where you are so far. Then the fourth step, notice at this stage you still haven't washed all of your Body yet. The fourth step, he would then put water into his fingers. He would then, with the, the fingers and the water, put them in through his hair to the roots of the hair. To the roots of the hair. The fingers going into the roots of the hair. يعني أنه بعدما فرغ من الوضوء أدخل أصابعه مبلولة بالماء في أصول شعر رأسه لأنه صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يوضي شعر رأسه وتغذيت شعر الرأس على صفة الوارده عن نفسه سنة لمن راعى آدابها وكيفيتها الوارده عنه صلى الله عليه وسلم وإدخال أصابعه صلى الله عليه وسلم في أصول شعر يدل على كفافة شعره The fact that the Prophet ﷺ used to insert his fingers into the roots of his hair Indicates that he had thick hair That he had thick hair And it's mentioned in the seerah how it was somewhat curly and thick hair And so he would insert his fingers to get to the roots of that hair Then the fifth step was to pour water onto the head He would pour three cups of water uh, Handfuls of water Onto his head Walhafanaat jama'u <laughs> hafna Wahiya mil'u alkafayn majmoo'atayn Wallahu a'alam al-hikma Minja'liha thalathi hafanaat Huwa an yasil al-ma'u ila usooli sha'ar wa furu'ih So then the uh, fifth step here, he would fill his two hands and pour that water onto his head three times. Three times. Fill the hands, the two hands, and pour that all over his head. That would be done three times. And the Sheikh says perhaps the wisdom in doing it three times is again so that the water goes right in there into the roots of the hair. And gets to the skin, so that the water goes through the hair, penetrates into the skin of that person onto the head. So then in that way, by putting the fingers in and then three handfuls of water onto it, that ensures that all of the hair has now got water on it and it's got right through to the roots of the hair and onto the skin of the head. Then the next step, step number six, step number six, ثُمَّ أَفَاضَ عَلَى سَائِرِ In step six, Is when he would then pour the water all over his full body. Pour the water all over his full body. That's the point and that's the stage at which you then have the water going all over your body. And it will be mentioned in some of the narrations, he would begin doing that with the Right hand side of his body first Getting the water all down everywhere On the right hand side of his body first Then the water all down everywhere On the left hand side of his body Until all of his body had now been wetened With that water Then the seventh step The final step Thumma غَسَلَ Rijlehi he would then wash his feet again but here the question is hal annahu sallallahu alayhi wa akhara ghusl rajlayhi hina ma tawadha fi al bidaya hatta faragha min al ihtisaf thumma ghassalahuma aw annahu ghassala wudu hina ma tawadha fi al bidaya thumma aada ghasslahuma ba'da Here, the final step mentions that the Messenger washed his feet. The Sheikh says, is that because in step number three, when he made the wudu, did he leave the feet out at that stage? And then he does the feet at the end. Or did he do the feet at that stage as well and now he's doing them again at the end. Which of the two circumstances? Is it that in step three he didn't wash the feet? And that's why you do it in step seven at the end? Or did he do them in step three, completed the full wudu? And then you repeat the feet again in step seven. Which of the two? The Shaykh says, بِأَنَّ مِنَ الْأَمْرَيْن جَائِزْ ومحتمل. Both scenarios are possible The hadith doesn't explicitly highlight Which of the two it is The hadith does not explicitly highlight Which of the two it is It could be that in step number three When you're making the wudu That you leave the feet out Then you go through step four, five and six of the ghusl And then in the last step You wash the feet and that then completes the wudu. Or the other scenario that you finished the full wudu at that time in your third stage of the ghusl, and then you're repeating the feat at the end. Both are possible, the sheikh says. Both possibilities could exist. الوضو, so whoever... Washes them initially in stage number three with the wudu, washes them at that point, completes a full wudu, then washes them again at the end, perfectly okay. The sheikh says, but if somebody in that stage three does his wudu but leaves the feet and goes through the other stages and then at the end finishes off the feet for the completion of the wudu, then that is also correct and possible, the Shaykh says. And that's it, yes. So if a person was to only wash them at the end, without repeating them, or wash them two times, both of those scenarios are correct, both of those actions are correct, both of those ways are okay. Thumma in the law here of Oliha Rodi Allah ala sa irija said, You have a min who and nocteva be rustligis mehima rot and waida. Bain a measure of and now who was in this narration when we got to stage number 6 Washing the full body Beginning with the right hand side first Then the left hand side The washing of the full body In the hadith It doesn't mention anything about doing that twice or three times. It just says he then washed his body. And so by default, that would indicate just the once. And that is okay. That is correct. If a person washes his full body with one full washing, then that is complete. And your ghusl is correct. If a person was... To do it three times To wash all of the body Then to wash it again Then to wash it all again Three times That is mustahab It is recommended But if you do it just the once Your ghusl is legitimate It is valid And you are now upon purification So what do we learn here To summarize from this hadith Number one fi this is taken from this particular circumstance that it mentions a wife can aid her husband in making the wudu and the ghusl bringing the water for him and bringing the the vessel of water in it of course these days now with the showers and the baths and other things it's a different situation But of course in those days you would have a barrel of water or a bowl of water. So it mentions, it is uh, uh, highlighted in the hadith that the wives of the messenger would aid him. Here Aisha was obviously there either bringing the water for him or doing something. That's how she saw how he was making the full ghusl and described it. She was there helping him bring the water or whatever it might have been. Secondly, and we mentioned that at the beginning as well if you remember, it is permissible for a husband and a wife to make the ghusl together or to make it one after the other. That is permissible between the spouses. Secondly, فِيهِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ the evidence highlights, this hadith highlights, that when you are going to make ghusl or wudu otherwise, that you must begin that, the prerequisite to that is the washing of the private area. If something has exited from the private area, if you've urinated or some semen has exited, or pre-seminal fluid has exited, then in those kinds of circumstances, you would wash the private area first, before then making the wudu or the ghusl, as the Messenger did in these stages of the ghusl, as we saw. Thirdly, that the one who is making the ghusl begins with the wudu, that was stage number three, Wash the hands, wash the private areas, then make wudu. Then after that, run the fingers in the hair, wash the hair, wash the body and complete with the feet. So the wudu was in the early stages before the full washing of the body. The wudu was in there first. So that indicates that somebody who is making ghusl, they should begin with the wudu first. Min عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْمُغْتَسِلُ مِنَ Wudu يَبْدَأُوا بِالْوُضُوا أَوَّلًا ثُمَّ يَغْتَسِلُوا بَعْدَهُ هَذَا الْأَفْضَلُ وَالْأَكْمَلُ That is the most perfect and complete and best way to make the ghusl. That you do the wudu first, then you do all of the rest of the ghusl after. Because that is the way that the Prophet ﷺ did it. ولو انه نو دخول الوضوء في الاغتسال وافاض الماء على جميع جسمه ناويا الطهارتين الصغرى والكبرى دخلت الصغرى في الكبرى واجزى ذلك however as a fiqh ruling if you Miss that step of making the wudu And you do the other steps The hair and the washing And then you get to step number 6 Which is actually now going to be step number 5 Because you missed the wudu out Everybody remember that There was step number 1, wash the hands Step number 2, wash the private areas Step number 3 was the wudu Step four and five was the fingers in the hair and the washing of the head. Step six was the washing of the body. Step seven, the feet. If you miss out the wudu, you've missed out step number three. So you've got six steps in total now. If you miss out step number three, the wudu one, go straight to the fingers in the hair and washing the hair. And then step number five now, which is washing all of the body when you're on that step of washing all of the body if you intend within that intention of washing all the body you intend wudu as well because when you wash all the body by default you have washed the wudu body parts too if you wash all of your body then within that you have washed the wudu body parts too obviously So if you make the intention that with this full washing of my body, I am intending the wudu in it as well, then that counts. And it is valid. You have intended the wudu within that full washing. It's going to come in there. The face is going to come in there. The arms are going to come in there. The feet, all of it comes in, that full washing. So if you make your intention at that stage with the full washing, of wudu as well, and you don't do it as a separate step earlier, it is okay and it is valid. So the Shaykh says in that case, (coughs) the wudu would simply come into the fold of ghusl. The ghusl is the larger purification. The wudu is the smaller purification. The smaller purification comes within the greater purification. So, if you did that, it would be valid. لأن... نعم. نعم. The next point. أنه للمغتسل أن La رأسه إذا كان كثيفا That it is legislated for a person to run his fingers in through his hair. If it is thick hair if it is thick hair to run the fingers in through that hair والتخليل معناه ادخال الاصابع مبلوله بالماء داخل الشعر يعني ومن خلال الشعر حتى يصل الماء الى اصول الشعر So the the meaning of that is that you run your wet fingers in, right in through the hair, so that the water gets to the roots of the hair. And that is of course for the one who has thick hair. For the one who does not have thick hair, or the one who does not have hair, then of course that is not a requirement or something needed within the ghusl. For the one who has barely any hair uh, when when the water is being poured it's going to go right on to the hair. Remember there were two steps there next to each other. One was running the fingers into the hair to get to the roots, then the next step straight after that was pouring the water right all over the head. But if you've got thin hair or very little hair, if you miss the finger step out and go straight to the next step of pouring the water over the head, with thin hair it's going to cover all of it anyway so the finger step prior to that wouldn't become a necessity then it wouldn't be required then if you know that your hair is of the quantity that a bit of water poured onto it makes it all wet then you don't need to do the fingers حَتَّى يَتَبَلَّغَ إِلَى And so this is mentioned, it is legislated to get three handfuls of water during the ghusl process, to get three handfuls of water onto the head everywhere to get it all around the head and the hair. So those two steps could become one, depending on the thickness of the hair. If a person has thick hair, both steps are needed there. If a person has light hair or hardly any hair, then in that case the finger step is not required, washing it with the water gets into the roots anyway. Some brothers look like they're smiling, but wait another few years, you'll be in the other category as well. Then, after that it mentions, Fil <laughs> hadith we mentioned that before about the legislation to wash the feet again at the end in some narrations it mentions why not sure he mentions it here but in some places some of the scholars they mention the reason as to why you have to wash the feet again at the end anybody know why The impurities might go there. Uh huh. Uh huh. So again. But let's imagine they did the full Woodwind step three. Remember, there were two possibilities. If he's done the full Woodwind step three, then why does he still have to wash his feet at the end? That's the question. So what's the purpose then why do you have to wash your feet again it's about the impurities again these days with your showers all the water is flowing away but in the olden days there wouldn't been it wouldn't be the the types of facilities we have now the water you're pouring it it's all going to be falling and just puddling up on the ground where you're standing you're getting the water you're pouring it when you're doing it on your body you're getting the bucket or whatever you're pouring it all the water is just going to be puddling on the floor where you are there's no sinkhole and there's no other pipe work or anything in those days so all the water would just be puddling at your feet all that water puddling up at your feet that is the water you've been using to wash all of your janaba, to wash yourself from the janaba, from the impurity all of that water is now puddling up at the feet so now the last thing that you should therefore wash is the body part which is the last body part in contact with all of that water and that's why in some narrations it does say that he would actually step aside out of that area out of where the water has been puddling up now from his ghusl he would step aside from that and then wash his feet because if you wash your feet there then it's kind of like the same situation you're still in all of that water. So then he mentions in some narrations he would step aside out of that puddle and then wash his feet. So now they are clean, free of all of that, and now it's a complete purification. So that is the reason some of the scholars they mentioned for the washing of the feet at the end. Uh, and there was the evidence also that one full washing of the body is sufficient. One full washing of the body is sufficient. It doesn't require more than that. If a person did do more than that, if a person washed it to, uh, three times, then that is recommended but not a necessity. Uh, it also mentions here huma min al وَفِي فَمَسَحَهَا بِالْتُرَابِ وَفِي آخِرِهِ ثُمَّ أَتَيْتُهُ بِالْمِنْدِيلِ وَفِيهِ وَجَعَلَ Here it mentions in this version that he poured water onto his private areas and he washed them with his left hand, then he struck the ground with his hands again all of this now you have to recognize it's not the showers we have now and uh, or, or that people have here in some countries it would still be completely as it is mentioned here you would be having a shower in in some type of mud hut or something so here then it mentions after washing the private area he would strike the ground to get some dirt on that in order to then cleanse his hands after having wash the private areas to cleanse the hands after having washed the private areas to make sure anything that came off the private areas in the washing process is completely taken off by rubbing his hands in some dirt and washing all that off one second thumma <laughs> And it mentions here, then I came to him with a, a cloth and he rejected it. He returned it. يعني لم يأخذه, meaning a cloth, a towel to dry himself at the end. And that he didn't want it. The wife of the Prophet says at the end, I came with him with a cloth, I came to him with a cloth, a towel to dry himself, but he didn't want it. لم min <middly> He didn't want the tower to dry himself. And that is, as some scholars say, perhaps due to wanting to leave that water to drip off naturally, because that water was now the remnants of an act of worship. Doing the ghusl is an act of worship. You've done that full act of worship. This water that remains on your body now that's dripping away and finishing off is now the leftover from that act of worship. So he didn't want to remove it. He wanted that to leave, uh, to uh, be left and dry up by itself naturally as that was the remnants, the leftovers of that act of worship. So the further benefits that are understood from this narration or this addition is that after washing the private areas you could touch the ground in order to get a better cleanse on the hands after that Uh, and also from this narration we can understand that you could say you could say that it is a sunnah or Or to phrase it in the other way, it is disliked to dry yourself with a towel after the ghusl. The messenger wanted to leave that water to dry by itself. So the Shaykh says <laughs> that it is disliked to dry it all up immediately after wudu or ghusl. Leave it to dry off by itself. And that the sunnah of the messenger was not to dry it all up, leave it to dry off itself. But the Shaykh says there is no problem in. Uh, Like uh, fanning oneself or using the towel to kind of dry it without wiping it clean To kind of dry yourself or to blow some wind onto yourself like that To to make it dry up a little bit quicker, no problem with that That is no issue I mean even to dry yourself with a towel there is no issue There is no sin, there is no problem But this is just the way of the sunnah of the messenger that he did In this country i mean these days mashallah you can do it no problem these days you have an opportunity with the weather the way it is it is very possible to do that in most other times more than likely it is not possible in this country but for when it is possible to do that to allow it to dry off itself then that is the way of the messenger in doing so that brings us to the end of those two narrations so now then what were the questions regarding them Absolutely. So, when you, uh, we spoke about the washing of the hands when you start wudu or ghusl. That's like a prerequisite. It's like a prerequisite. You're supposed to wash your hands as like a prerequisite, as like an introduction. Then you're going to start your wudu or your So, now when you wash your hands, and now you're going to start your wudu. So, you start your wudu, then you're going to do your face, your mouth, your arms. But when you get to the arms, You have to wash all of them up to including the elbows and all of the hands fully again. Don't think, well, you've already washed them, they're already wet at the beginning. That was just an introductory washing, a prerequisite. The actual wudu is now. So imagine them that you haven't done anything to them yet. You haven't done wudu on them yet. That was just a prerequisite washing. Now you've got to do the full washing on them in the in the actual wudu when you do your arms and this is the mistake many people make when they get to that section they do the arms properly and they don't really bother with their hands too much because they are already wet from the beginning they think yeah they already wet I did it now is when you have to do it properly now is the wudu that you're doing at the beginning was a sunnah that washing of the hands we uh, uh, cover this didn't we cover that section about the private area. so there were two opinions about this if you end up touching your private parts after you've made wudu, and the issue is if you touch your private parts directly direct contact not if you touch them on top of your garments that you're wearing that is then uh, an obstacle it's an obstruction there's no direct contact but if you make direct contact like when you're making also that at the end of the ghusl, maybe when you're drying yourself and you end up making contact with your private parts accidentally, does it break your wudu and you have to do your wudu again or not? There were two opinions you remember. One opinion said, it breaks your wudu, whether you touch them with desire or without desire, touching the private parts breaks your wudu. But the other opinion said, Upon the hadith of minka that it is only another body part. Like all your other body parts, it's just a body part. So if you make contact with no desire, nothing, just contact when you're drying yourself or something, it's just another body part. No wudu is required from that then. So there were those two opinions regarding that, regarding whether you have to do it again or not. And Allah, but it appears. That it is a body part if there is no desire there is nothing you're just making the also you're just drying yourself and some contact occurs as it may occur then this doesn't break your wudu and it's okay inshallah. well some scholars do hold the opinion it requires a specific wudu but most of them will say when you do the full washing of the body Like a uh, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, he used to say, when you do the full washing of the body, just run your hands over the wudu area. Run your hands over your arms, your face, your feet, your head. Just run your hands over those areas when you're doing the full washing of the body stage, and that definitely then covers you for wudu. That is enough. These days now with the shower, so you're going to be... Under the shower, and you're washing all of your body. The water's coming down, and all of your body. As it's coming down, and all of your body, just run your hands over the wudu areas. In that process, and that's it. That's a wudu covered then. Within that, within that, within that, run over the areas. Do the the nose and the mouth. That's the only specific thing you have to do. The rest of it, you're just running your hands over all the areas, and that's it. In sequence yes. when we're saying uh, run your uh, hands over those uh, areas in sequence it is in sequence but it's it's not a specific separate wudu. it's upon that opinion of it being included within it but the Abdul uh, shaykh Abd used to say just run your hands over those areas run them over the areas where the wudu is normally done with the water coming down on you and that is wudu done within the wusl. It's valid The minimum requirement of ghusl Is to wash the full body That's the minimum requirement So even if you got these stages Not in that kind of order But the minimum is that you wash the full body Top to bottom You do your istinja You wash all of the rest of the body That is a ghusl that is valid the min- uh, you could uh, if you Imagine you're upon janabah you're upon Janaba, you're next to the sea, you make the intention, I'm going to make ghusl. You jump into the sea, dip your head right in, and come out again five seconds later, you've got ghusl. Because you've washed the whole of your body with the intention of ghusl, and that's ghusl. Uh, according to uh, the opinion of the scholars of doing that, but uh, uh, you know, according to some, it wouldn't necessarily even be required. The minimum, according to some, is just the ghusl. But let's say we stick to that opinion, so then yes, do the madmada and the istishak. The rest, you just literally dip yourself in and out. Your full body has been washed. That is technically a ghusl done as the minimum requirement. And the same as before the ghusl, do you do it before washing the hands straight or after washing the hands The basmala? The basmala, as we said, it's differed over anyway. As to the requirement of it, the hanbalis they view that it is obligatory. The Jumhur they say it is mustahab. But then, yes, at the beginning, at the beginning, before washing that's all part of the process now. Anybody else? Mhm. because uh, the, the washing is the full water being thrown onto the head completely the fingers is only required if you have thick hair as part of the washing process to get in there and then the wudu process would just be to wipe over the top but it all depends on the the thickness of the hair that was the, the same as what we discussed in making wudu regarding the thickness of the beard depending on the thickness of the beard there's a different ruling when you're making wudu If you have a thick beard, and what is defined as a thick beard, what was the definition of a thick beard? Where you can't see the skin through it. So now when you look at somebody's beard, sometimes people have very light, fluffy beards. And you can see their skin all the way right through it. Other people, their beards, they may not be long or big. That's not the point of a thick beard. They could be small, but they're thick. You can't see any of their skin through the hair. So if a beard is thick, you cannot see the skin through it, then the ruling was that you're supposed to do again the takhleel, to do some takhleel. That was the ruling? Mustahab to do takhleel if you have a thick beard? So when do you do takhleel? So you remember, when it is light, a light beard, you have to wash right through it. A light beard where you can still see the skin through it. When you wash your face, you have to wash right into it. The full thing. When it's a thick beard, then you can just run the fingers over. You could run the fingers through and over. But if it's a light beard, there's no running the fingers through. It's a full wash of that area because your skin is visible. So that's like your face. Your face, that's still part of your full face. It's visible, your skin. So you've got to wash it with the rest of your face fully. But if it's a thick beard, you can do the fingers and run over the top. You don't need to wash the whole beard and have it soaking if it's a thick beard. It's a you don't have to watch Correct, because the area of the face is from the hairline down to the uh, the jaw bone. So, what's below the jaw bone, then that is not required because that is not considered face. The face is from the jawline up to the hairline. That is all, con- and from ear to ear. That is all considered face. Below the jaw, under it is not considered part of your face. So, if you had a light beard, you'd have to wash it all up to the jawline, but not underneath here necessarily. Mm. A long beard, you can. They mention wipe over the the whole of it. Wipe over the top of it all, as a wiping. Mm. Anybody else? Allah alam. Allah alam, if they say that, that would have to check. If uh, the ones who hold the opinion, it would, it would be in the the Hanbali books of fiqh, the ones who hold the opinion that it is obligatory to say Bismillah at the beginning, is it twice or once? Allah alam what they say on that. Hmm. Anybody else? Alright, next time then, We'll start with the rulings on ghusl for women. And and obviously the majority of the rulings are the same. Because the principle islamically is all of the rulings for men are the rulings for women. Unless something is specified. So one of the things that would become specified for women, what is one issue that women have in the ghusl? That men do not typically have or some men the long hair that is tied up or not tied up uh, in in braids and plaits imagine now a woman has long hair and it's all knotted up in 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 those plaits and then you have to make a hustle then what do you do do you have to untie all of those those uh, plaits untie it all get the hair completely wet or what do you do those kind of rulings there are some hadith talking about them in the sunnah about what a woman can do in that kind of circumstance a woman who has long hair and it's braided or plaited together does she have to unravel it all wash it all down to the core or is there some other way of doing it that is what we'll begin with then inshallah ta'ala from the next session next time any other question or anything up to there then? Uh, just on that point, if a man has his hair in that same style, mm-hmm. does it hold under the same ruling or is it specific for the women? No, a, a man's hair would never be of that length. A man is not supposed to have the hair, uh, the Prophet used to have his hair halfway between the earlobe and the shoulders. A woman's hair could be all the way down to the waist, but a man's hair would never be long enough to cause that type of issue. You're not supposed to have the hair beyond that type of length. That would be imitation of the women. So a man's hair would never have that same circumstance. Alright, we'll conclude upon that for today then. InshaAllah ta'ala, in the next session, we'll start with that next part regarding the women and the ghusl.